calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. everybody to a special July 4th Independence Day weekend episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey! I am your host, John Roke. I'm a Collider. I'm a, I'm a writer, producer, and host over at Collider. Uh, joined today by... Uh, this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you might have seen me on House... The Wizards of Waverly Place, for all of you Wizards of Waverly Place viewers out there. <laughs> and my name is Earl, opposite Danny Glover, who we're going to talk about later. Danny Glover, pretty awesome guy. Um, if you noticed at the beginning of our show that it, we were missing one extra voice on the Geek Buddies uh, chime or, or, or chorus, uh, you were right. Uh, Michael Vogel, who is our other Geek Buddy, he is out of town. Where is he at, Shin? He is living it up in Cape Cod for the 4th of July this right guy. now. He's drinking... He's drinking all sorts of rosé. Yeah. He's hanging uh, hanging out on a dock by the bay. He, oh, he, yeah, he, nice. he's he's having a good time. I was trying. I was looking at his Instagram today. Yeah. I was trying to find uh, a fun photo of him so we could uh, we could have him sitting in the seat over there. Oh, that'd be funny. Yeah, a little ridicule. Take a picture, a selfie with his. Yeah, oh, that's perfect. And it would be unusual because we'd have this very animated uh, photo of him without mm-hmm. him talking. Oh yeah, that's a rarity. <laughs> that's a, even when he sleeps, he talks. <laughs> I've heard him talk in the bathroom. What he says is always very good. And yeah, yeah, no complaints. <laughs> Certainly an interesting conversation to have with him. Uh, I can already see how the conversation is going to go after this when he listens to this oh, episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's going to be pretty mad. <laughs> um, the other thing about uh, Michael is that he, he we had talked about possibly uh, getting him um, – uh, Patching him in. Yeah, patching him in. Uh, but uh, when we told him the time around when we could record, it, unfortunately, it was not available for him to patch in. So uh, he's having a great time out there. And maybe he'll send something that we can attach on to the episode at the end. We talked about it, so I'm going to remind him after we record this episode since I'm not putting it up directly after we're done because I want people to enjoy their fourth. And then on Friday, they'll get this. So if it's Friday while you listen to this, this was recorded a couple of days ago. But here we go. I'm what? crossing my fingers for a Vogel yeah, drunk dial. There's got to be some kind <laughs> of Vogel. going to be a drunk 
projectile. Yeah, yeah, maybe he can. It, well, you know what? No, text him and see while we're talking about it. But we got a number of geek news uh, stuff that we are going to get to here today, and then of course. We've got something, uh, some new segments or some new uh, main topic today. And uh, Shannon, do you want to tell them what it is? Yeah, do we want to talk about the main topic now? Or do we want to... Kind of tease it? Oh, yeah, tease it a little bit. We can tease it a little bit. Okay, Okay, so uh, John Roke and I, we've been friends, what, over 20 years? At least 20 years. Over 20 years. And within pop culture, John and I see eye to eye quite a bit. Yes. There there are a handful of things like, "Ah, I don't really get it, but we've always been very, very respectful of our opinions when we disagree. Yes. There are three films... That John does not like, and if you listen to him on other podcasts, you probably have a guess, at least one of them, that has always astounded me yeah. why he doesn't like it. And he's never as, – as good an orator as John is, he's never <laughs> been able to adequately explain for my life oh, wow. why he doesn't like these three films. Okay. So uh, once we get through our geek news, we're going to put John on the hot seat. Yeah. We're going to get to the – we're going to have the deep cut with John Roca. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to put me on trial, apparently. <laughs> the it's trial the, of John it's Roca. It's the trial of John Roca. Uh, so we'll see. This was Shannon's idea. Uh, there wasn't much that broke that we wanted to discuss for a longer show, so it seemed like a good idea. Uh, and I thank God that it's the one week that uh, Vogel is not on the show because, Lord God, you two as prosecuting lead attorneys, I would be uh, probably a puddle on the stand. <laughs> he made me do it. <laughs> is he is he the Cochran to my Shapiro? I, I would think so. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. The one who needs the the attention in the spotlight on? Absolutely the Cochrane or Shapiro. And what do we have in our hands here, Oh, yeah, John? yeah, yeah. Uh, we, uh, Shannon was very kind to bring us some uh, nice beverages from Samuel Smith's. Um, I He brought me an organic chocolate stout because he knows I'm a massive uh, stout fan. And it's from Samuel Smith's Brewery, uh, product of UK. Product of UK. Yeah. yeah so no, I, I have the Samuel Smith's Nut Brown Ale, which – um, I hate that name. Oh. <laughs> nut brown. I like, a, just... I like a brown nut. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but um, <laughs> normally I would be drinking an IPA, but all the IPAs were at a debilitating size to where I think I would be horizontal by the end of the podcast. Right, right. Um, and also because I don't know this brewery, I was like, well, if this is terrible, <laughs> I want to make sure that John and I are drinking a, a terrible beer from the same distributor. Exactly. <laughs> Shall we'll we go see? down in flames together. Let's see how this is. Oh, yeah. Let's try it. We'll take a taste. Yeah. Cheers. All right. Oh, that is not bad. Yeah, it's fine. Very smooth. Uh, it's brewed with water from the original brewery, well sunk in 1758. Look at that. The gently roasted organic chocolate malt and real organic cocoa used in this ale impact the delicious, smooth, and creamy character. This is very, very good. Fermented in stone Yorkshire squares. Wow. Look at that. And this for those a... of you that don't know, John is a massive Anglophile. Yes, I am. So we're checking off all the boxes Yeah, tonight. I'm very happy with what your choices here, Shan. Thank you so much. <laughs> and they're organic, which is, of course, going to make my girlfriend go, it's bullshit. Nothing's organic. Bullshit. It's bullshit. <laughs> she, she's a chef. She thinks it's all bullshit. Organic, whatever they put label in organic right. because they don't really have a system set up to test the organic nature of something. Yeah. In the, you're going to trust the government to tell you what's organic and what's not government? Uh, I mean, what's organic and not organic? And I got nothing against the government, but certainly I don't think those people are well equipped as a 
in essence, a factory to tell you what's organic and not organic effectively. You know what I do? You know, when I go to the grocery store to buy vegetables, I do buy organic vegetables. Oh, you do? I, 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 buy, a lot of, I buy a lot of red peppers. I like okay. red peppers in my omelet. I respect that. And the organic red peppers always look better than the non-organic oh, red peppers. Oh, okay. The non-organic red peppers always look like they're a little misshapen. They're a little okay. – it looks like they've been messed with. Yeah. Whereas the organic ones, I'm like, oh, this looks like a – the way a pepper should look. Whereas yeah. the other ones look kind of Frankenstein-like. Feels farm to store to table yeah. a little more effectively than what you have there. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. feels picked by the special people. Yeah. The red peppers, the, yeah. the non-organic ones, those came from a lab. OK. Fair that's enough. That's the only reason to explain uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> their shape. That's, that's, a, that's a good point. <laughs> I do find when I, we were at uh, Sprouts the other day shopping and I found the tomatoes there the organic ones have a, had a rounder, redder look to them yeah. than the regular ones. So you might be right. You might be onto something. Don't tell my girlfriend. <laughs> she won't agree with it. I, I'll keep that to myself. Yeah, you know, we we, uh, yeah, we decided to come up – I know. We got to jump in this. I'm sorry. This is like stupid. <laughs> we decided to come up with names for how we want to like let each other know we're gonna ha- we want to have sex. So now there are phrases. A code. A code. Interesting. I, 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 this is fascinating to me. And they're both UK-based. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. You're not How's your you... John Thomas? That's apparently <laughs> how we're going to get into it. <laughs> and so I spent a lot of time this morning in bed before we, we left for work, respectively, looking up catchphrases for the uh, nether region of the ladies. <laughs> and just like, to come up with my own catchphrase. <laughs> Uh, there are some interesting ones. Let me just tell you. I imagine. Yeah. I imagine. <laughs> la- I, I immediately thought of that scene from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit where Bob Hoskins, he's going into the Ink and Paint Club and there's the <laughs> giant animated gorilla. <laughs> I could just see you. What's the password? Knocking on a door and you see this little <laughs> latch slide open. And there's a giant animated gorilla in, in between you and your, and your, you and your lady. <laughs> it's great. I love it. She's fantastic. And uh, yeah, so I was trying. So I was trying to find something. I saw Lady Garden. Uh, okay. There's a Mary Ellen. Apparently, is a name for your your uh, the nether regions. Um, and there are a few unsavory names, I will say. Right. So, um, not as proper as Mary Ellen. Not as proper as Mary Ellen. Right, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, but I will say that the uh, slang for the uh, man's private parts, uh, those are very funny. Yeah. Those are a lot funnier than the women's side of things. It's a funny looking organ. It really is a weird it's organ. kind of dangling. Yeah. Flying back and forth. Swinging around. <laughs> Banging into things. Anyway, the way I use it. The way I use it. Uh, Anyway, uh, we're going to get into the geek news now. Uh, Shannon, we've got a few stories. We're going to go back and forth on it. What's the first one we should start with? No, I think the first one we should talk about is the news that allegedly uh, Andy uh, Muschietti, director of uh, It's Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, could be doing uh, The Flash. Now, the last time that – like it was only a year ago that uh, the two guys who were the writers on Homecoming, was it uh, Gold? Goldstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah their, their names are escaping me right yeah. now. But the guys who definitely have sort of a yeah, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Yeah, it, it, they have more of a because they directed the Vacation movie, right? With Ed right, Helms, right, the right. Reboot. People were supposed to be so excited; these guys were coming on. Yeah, and you know they definitely. Based off of Vacation and based off of Homecoming, I'm like, okay, these guys are definitely bringing sort of a lighter sensibility to the character, yeah. which I think also Rick uh, from Dope. Was yeah, Rick, Famiyama. Uh, F- Famiyama, yeah. That, which that – I'm assuming that's what he would have brought to it yes. as well. And then you know, we heard these stories after they had signed on that Ezra Miller had 
you know, teamed up with uh, Grant Morrison mm-hmm. to come up with this darker take. Right. Now, Muschietti, I mean, I, I've i not seen his other – but he's a horror director. He's a horror director. Like, yeah. Spanish so, horror director. Or Argentin- I think Argentinian horror director, yeah. The idea that Ezra Miller wanted to go with a darker take and it seemed like the directors were not on board with that. Yeah. Now that they're bringing in this guy who has you know cut his teeth in horror, it's like maybe they are going to lean in to this darker take of The Flash. What do you think? This is an interesting story because A, I thought Ezra was done with The Flash. I thought they were just trying to find their way out of it by letting him write something Grant Morrison then turning it down. By the way, I, there was no announcement that I saw that they had turned down his script. So right. this was the first I was reading it in the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Michael and I had an interesting exchange about it. I was yeah, on the thread. You were on that thread. <laughs> we had a fun exchange about it. A lot of barbs. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of shots. Shots over the bow. Shots to my John Thomas. I won't lie. <laughs> but like, <laughs> there, were, there were some shots there. But going back and forth. But Because uh, I had not heard that they had turned down the script. So Muschietti coming involved. You make a great point, Shannon. Uh, Ezra wanted a darker flash. I don't really think of Flash as a dark character, but you know. But then you have—I know there are dark things that happen to him, but I don't really see him as a darker character. Even Barry Allen always thought the best of everyone in the situation. Yes. Wally West was a smartass. There's no Guy Gardner, right? There's no uh, darker character necessarily in uh, or harder edge character in the Flash universe. Like even uh, the dude with the silver helmet, uh, who's that? Oh, Jay, Jay Garrick. Jay Garrick. Doesn't have these kind of darker impulses or intensity. It's not the specter like Green Lantern, right? So I'm surprised by this if it happens. He's in talks, I'm not saying it's happening. But it would be an interesting way to go, and I guess this is how you keep Ezra on the project. Well, and what's interesting is based off of his – Ezra Miller's three appearances in the DC Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe, mm-hmm. one which – only one significant one with Justice League. Right. Were you a fan of his take on – like a lot of people no. liked it. I was not yeah, on I board. wasn't on – I know people liked it and thought it was funny. I'm like, that's not Barry Allen. What you're doing is not Barry Allen. Even Grant Gustin is closer to Barry Allen, who I don't think is actually a Barry Allen, is closer to Barry Allen than – uh, Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller's closer to Wally West. Yeah, full, f- 100% right. agree. Not in look, but in personality. Yeah, and and I think, you know, they they needed they needed their staples on the team. Yeah. Batman was the dark and dark and brooding, Wonder right. Woman was sort of not holier now, but I mean she was she was the light. Yeah. Momoa was the partier, Cyborg was super serious, so they needed that funny guy. So I understand why they went the way that they went yeah. um, with the direction of his character. But going forward, I don't know. He's just He just never has really screened the Flash. Now, I think he did a great job. Like, yeah. I thought he was awesome in the movie. But a lot of times, like you know mm-hmm. this – you can have someone that is miscast still turn in a great performance. Absolutely. I mean, I was I've never been a big fan of uh Ben Affleck yeah. as Bruce Wayne, but man, he did a really good job, especially in Batman versus Superman. Like, yes. I don't care for that movie. He was great in yeah. that movie, but he just wasn't the guy. I have a horrible relationship with that movie. It's like a car crash to me. If if I'm flipping channels and it's on, I will watch. <laughs> Even though I don't like the movie at all, I will watch. I it's more a matter of like is this possible? Is this really happening? Mm-hmm. Did they do this with this movie? So, uh, yeah. So you talk about Ezra in that movie. Yeah, he, he was good t- for what he was attested. I never found him unbelievable. Right. It was more a matter of like, well, what are you going to do with this type of character? Uh, now you want a darker version of him. I know there is stuff going on with his dad and all these other things that go on in his world. Certainly. Which him being the son of Billy Crudup, I'm like, that's great casting. Right, right, because Crudup's great to, to do that. Yeah, yeah, and they kind of look similar, so it works, right? Yeah. So you bring in this situation with Shetty. I, I find it fascinating that he'd want to walk into 
this situation. Does this scare you, though, that they're going to go dark again? Like the Zack Snyder stuff, do the, do the Zack Snyder cockles uh, go up on people's necks who didn't like Zack Snyder's take on the WB, on the DC? No, not necessarily because, okay. again, I don't have – I'm not total, I'm very familiar with Muschietti's resume mm-hmm. based off of it and what I've seen of it too. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. This guy seems to know what he is doing. Yeah, it's a good mixture of comedy and darkness in it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not afraid of a movie going dark. I'm afraid of a movie going dark badly. Okay, and I think that's what Snyder ultimately did. Less so with Man of Steel, more right. so with Batman versus Superman. Right, right, and yeah, because it would be interesting to see what would happen. What would have happened to see his version of the film? To see what Ezra's place in his version of the film was for Justice League. Yeah, I, I would. I would be curious to see. Uh, where you end up. All right, what do you want to go and jump to next? The uh, Knives Out trailer? Oh, my god! Let's do it. The Knives Out trailer dropped uh, this week. It's the new one from Ryan Johnson. A lot of people in this one. Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, uh, Anna Diarmas, and a man I interviewed, Don Johnson, on the Deep Cut 45-minute fun interview with him that you can go listen on the Collider Conversations podcast channel. Jamie Lee Curtis is in this thing. Michael Shannon. Michael Le- Shannon. Lakeith Stanfield. So many great people are involved in this film. And it feels like Clue with a with a horrible with a, a harder edge to it, um, and it feels to me akin to uh, I said this uh, when we did the movie Murder on the Orient Express. This idea of a bunch of people coming together for a mystery. Do, yeah. do you, are you excited about this? You know, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with this movie because I mean, yeah. pre Last Jedi, I mean, Ryan Johnson was, was known for these smaller, kind of interesting, independent yes, movies like, like Looper and yeah. Brick, Brick uh, right, the Brothers right. Bloom. Right. Like I enjoyed his earlier movies. I think that's why when he was announced as the director of a Star Wars movie, people were so jazzed. Like, yeah. Oh, this guy has such a unique. This guy has such a unique perspective mm-hmm. on storytelling. Like it'll be great to see what he does with Star Wars. Now, me personally, I did not really enjoy the results of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, less so with his directing, more with the writing. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but everything that I've seen, I mean, in that trailer, I'm absolutely jazzed. I mean, I think one of their, I think their ace in the hole for this movie is Chris Evans. Yeah. In that he has this relationship now with the viewing public of being Captain America, of being this just the perfect guy, the guy that you, you want to be, you want him to be your best friend. Prior to him playing Captain America, he played wise asses oh, yeah. up the wazoo. So now that he's going back to that, and a lot of people don't remember him yeah. from those days. Like when he's telling all of this, I'm assuming they're all family, when he's telling his family, you eat shit, you eat shit, yeah. you eat shit. I'm like this is this has the potential to be a blast. Oh, absolutely. I think so too. I, I hope they get it. My only issue with the trailer was the Daniel Craig, but I felt this – Accent was a little off because I enjoyed him in Logan Lucky, mm-hmm. but I felt his accent was a little like we're going real southern, and I'm just like, what is happening here? <laughs> it felt like he was surplus to needs in the trailer. Like okay. the trailer was okay without him, but obviously he is some sort of linchpin in this whole situation. Well, it looks like he and Lakeith Stanfield are the detectives. He, well, Lakeith has already has a. a co-detective with him. So there's three detectives on this thing, right? His partner oh. is – Lakeith has a partner who didn't get a lot of – like he didn't get a showcase. Oh, okay. But he was there next to him and then you have Daniel Craig doing his own thing. Oh, and Tony Collette's in this thing as well, mm-hmm. which looks great. So yeah, I'm excited by this because it's a mystery film and this is Ryan going back to what he does best, which is the smaller type of films and he can still get a great cast. And when I interviewed Don Johnson about it, he said it was like summer stock theater. Really? That's what it felt like to him. Summer stock theater. And wow. you know, if you don't know 
a lot about Don Johnson. He wasn't just Crockett, uh, you know, on Miami Vice. He actually, Sonny Crockett, he, he was actually a theater trained actor who did all the jazz that you have to do to get to that level yeah. um, to become a good actor. And so he said for him it was like going back in time and going to Summerstock with this great group, group of actors. And he said Anna Diarmas really was incredible and Lakeith Stanfield is, is, was a standout as well. So there's a lot to look forward to in this movie. Um, and do you think this is the right thing for him to like kind of wash The Last Jedi stuff out of his head? 100%. Yeah. 100%. I mean, despite, no matter what your feelings are right, right, on right. that movie, like, yes, this is the perfect thing to follow up. Like, go back to what you, go back to what you were known for. Yeah. And really, like, he had good cast for his old movies, but now he has just assembled such an incredible ensemble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was interested, like, I, I don't know if there's a way not to do it, but when they said, you know, from Ryan Johnson, the director of Star Wars, <laughs> The Last Jedi, and Looper, I was like, yeah. huh. Because do you remember when the M. Night Shyamalan train had gone off the rails so oh, yeah. much to where his name would pop up in a trailer yeah. and there would be an audible groan from the audience? Yeah. I'm wondering if that maybe has happened like if they if the, if knives out was attached to spider-man right um if they factored that into the situation yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um yeah, I think this was absolutely the right move, and yeah. fingers crossed it turns out great. Me too. I feel that way too. I hope it, it goes – because we need another one to, for people to like kind of enjoy Ryan again Yeah, and get excited for his trilogy again. Because as mad as people were about – some people were about Last Jedi, he directed so many great films or fun films that you're like, OK, well – Let's see what he can do with a new trilogy. Let's get back. Let's fall back in love with him. Yeah. And I think this is a way to do it, to have people enjoy themselves even more with the situation. And there were enough people that did enjoy The yeah, Last Jedi. Absolutely. So no one – I mean I can't say it was a bad film. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm just like I didn't enjoy it. Like yeah. it didn't – it didn't – Scratch me where I was itching. For a lot of people, it did. I don't disagree with you, man. My, uh, the first 45 minutes, I've said this many, many times, first 45 minutes, some of the worst Star Wars movie I've ever seen. The rest of the film, some of the best I've ever seen. So yeah. it's a very conflicted film for me. Yeah. Um, but I will never deny anyone liking it or hating it. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll see. Um, well, speaking of people yeah. that are you know being attached to things, so it was announced that uh, J.A. is at Bayona? Yeah, Bayona. Is that how, is that how yeah, you pronounce yeah. it? It was announced that he was going to be directing the first two episodes of the Lord of the Rings series yeah. for Amazon. Now, they say it's going to uh, – I think they've said it's going to take place a couple thousand years before mm -hmm. – uh, Fellowship, right. which I mean, we got to see a little bit of that in the uh, the opening to Fellowship of the Ring, like when you see Hugo Weaving teaming up, the elves and the men teaming up to take yeah. take Sauron on for the first time. Now, what are your feelings on J. A. Bayona? <laughs> I'm well, and it's funny because I just defended Ryan off in a conflicted film like Last Jedi, but I think Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom was pretty universally. Disliked even by the people who are fans of the franchise for the most part. Not everyone, but for the most part. But you look at his resume though. You've got a monster calls. You've got two episodes of Penny Dreadful. You've got The Impossible, which a lot of people really love as an underrated disaster movie based on real life uh, events that happened. Uh, you have The Orphanage, which a lot of people like as well as a horror film. So this is also another Spanish or Latino horror director. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you have him stepping into this situation. I think it's a smart move. Go back to TV. Go back to kind of you know what you loved. Uh, see what you can do with it. Create a new world. Blah blah blah. Because clearly, um, Fallen Kingdom is something that maybe got away from you. Either 
either as a director or the studio got way too involved. It wasn't your gym. You played a good company, man. But they replaced you immediately with Colin Trevorrow, who ironically was kicked off of the Star Wars franchise for yeah. nine for him to step in and finish what he did in seven. So yeah. it's an ironic little musical chairs thing going on. And I think for Bayona, this is a great way to go back to climb back up. Like go and, and bring this to life. The first two episodes lay the groundwork for what is going to come for the season of this show and then get people to fall back in love with your directing and then get excited to see you what you can do again for future films. See, I would agree with you for the most part because I didn't like Fallen Kingdom ever. I thought, right. I thought the movie was kind of a mess. It was. Um, but I also know that a, a big franchise picture like that can very quickly be taken away from a director's oh, grasp. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think like I, I like Thor The Dark World. A lot of people don't. <laughs> but I imagine Alan Taylor didn't have a lot of say on what happened on that right. movie. Right. Now, A Monster Calls, which when I saw the trailer for that, I was so excited. And the final product left me wanting. Oh, really? Extreme. Yeah, I didn't like okay. it. Okay. We're on like opposite it. sides of that then. Okay. Oh, so you enjoyed that I one. did. I enjoyed it. I liked his journey. It moved me a lot. And But, of course, I'm an Anglophile. So this kind of hit all the buttons for me to maybe be a little more patient with the film mm-hmm. or understanding with the film. And it worked for me. And Liam Neeson, I thought, did great work on that as well as the voice of the of that uh, monster. So to me, I, I enjoyed it overall because of the, the journey. But I get – why it might not have uh, struck chord with you? It didn't, and also Penny Dreadful. Oh, that was that show t- had so much potential. Wow! And ultimately, it's it's a great show to have on streaming or to have on Blu-ray. Yeah, where you can kind of skip around through the episodes to the okay. scenes that you like because there okay. are so many times where the ball did get dropped, in my yeah. opinion. And so the fact that he directed a couple episodes, to me, that's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so then we're on opposite sides of the fence on this then, clearly, because I loved every episode of Penny Dreadful just about. I-, I enjoyed the journey from beginning to end. I like that gothic horror shit. Like, I'm really into it. Like, I'm not into massive horror. I'm not a great, great big horror fan, but I do like the gothic horror stuff when it's done well, the old school horror stuff. And seeing, like, you know, a wolf, a, a wolf man, seeing the uh, demons in hell and all that. Monster, Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. All of it. It just really kind of worked for me so well. And again, I'm an Anglophile. So that kind of show really hit all the right buttons for me. Um, but I know it's not an easy show, which is why it only lasted three seasons. Why? But there's supposedly a, a prequel coming. They're shooting or or a it's, is it's, it a prequel or is it a future? No, it's it's it would be a sequel. I think it takes okay. place in the twenties. Right, but none of these people are still alive. No, no, right? it's, it takes place in the twenties in Los Angeles. It's Ooh. it's like it's Penny Dreadful. I think City of Angels. Oh God, I think it might be. Last called. time I saw that was Crow City of Angels, and it was terrible. So <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen with this. And then Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan in just City of Angels. <laughs> this this title. Is Which was a bunch of bullshit, that movie. <laughs> I don't care if I'm ruining it for you if you haven't seen it. It's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Which he's, part is the most bullshit? The part where he sacrifices his future of being a, an angel for the rest of his life to be human, and then Meg Ryan gets killed, so he can't be with her anyway. And she gets killed by running in. Like, the truck doesn't hit her. Yeah. She runs into the she truck. She runs into the truck because she's being stupid about putting her hands out and enjoying the freedom of love and dies. <laughs> this is a terrible message, that movie. <laughs> Good soundtrack, though. Iris and the Alanis Morissette song was good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember having many uh, uh, encounters with young ladies with that playing in the background. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Are you excited overall about a TV series, Lord of the Rings, or have we gone to this well once too often? I'm curious about it just because I'm not a huge Tolkien reader. Like I read them. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I read Lord of the Rings after Fellowship of the Ring came right. out. And I know I read The Hobbit probably in high school. I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, diving deep into the into the you know the appendices and finding out all this history, uh, I didn't love how it, it was it was written like history. Yeah, I'm like ah, you know, I want something a little more engaging. Well, have you read the Game of Thrones books? Are those no, historical? Okay, no, because okay, okay. everyone tells me they're so difficult to yeah, get through. Dense, <laughs> nine hundred pages. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take my comic book. <laughs> <laughs> Can you put it in comic book form? <laughs> then I'll get into it. Um, all right, let's uh, move on to our next trailer. Or the the next trailer is the trailer of the job for Jumanji. Sorry, I'm drinking here. Jumanji, uh, the next level. I think is what Jumanji, it's called. The next level. Okay, Shannon. I interviewed The Rock for Collider, or yes, for Collider uh, for the Juma- for the first Jumanji. Uh, and it was a great experience. We down in Hawaii doing that stuff, writing the pieces and everything else, and getting to interview Jack Black and him. And it was all three of them, right? Yeah, Kevin it was Hart all three was of them. Too? There's a lot of fun, a lot of fun interviewing all three of them. One of the best experiences of my life, honestly. And the movie I loved so much, and I was so afraid that it was just going to get buried by Star Wars, and no one's going to go see it. And it made nine hundred million dollars worldwide. Yeah, it became Sony's highest grossing picture ever. No one saw that coming. Nobody saw nope. that coming. Not even the people on the film. When I was down there, they would quietly tell me, "We just hope we come in second to Star Wars on our opening weekend, mm. and nothing else." So to me, this was ex- this was an exciting thing to have it blow up like this. And then I was looking forward to the sequel. But then, of course, there was that Kevin Hart stuff earlier this year. And then um, I wasn't sure what they were doing. And then I watched the trailer. Here's what I'll tell you. I was left disappointed by the trailer. Really? Yeah, man. And I don't know if it's something to do with me. But I wanted something else from the trailer. And I don't mean like it didn't meet my expectations. I mean, I just wanted something else. I didn't go into the trailer Going, okay, make sure they do this, this, or this. I mean, I just wanted to feel a certain way coming out of that trailer, and I didn't. Um, and I love The Rock. I love Kevin Hart. They have great. But why do I want to see two old men like Danny DeVito and Danny Glover be avatars in this world and watch Kevin Hart and The Rock imitate them? I liked it better when it was the young kids avataring into these older versions of them or older older humans and then having to figure out how to negotiate there was like it was like a um a symbolism for puberty right oh i have all this thing now all of a sudden well a couple of years later you're going to have new feelings to deal with new stuff going on in your body to deal with i think there was still more to explore here and the fact that they don't tell you what happens to alex wolf's character or bethany the blonde right. i i they they disappear from the trailer we don't know if they're possibly Nick Jonas because why is Nick Jonas there? Did Colin Hanks go back into the game? Uh, why is Aquafina there? Who's Is Bethany Aquafina or is Bethany Alex Wolf? I don't know. So coming out of the trailer, I had way more questions and concerns than I did going in. That's how I would say. Well, I think leaving a trailer with questions is not a bad thing. Well, sure. Like you, you but don't... I want to be left with the right questions. OK. Uh, see, it's interesting that you had such a such an adverse reaction to, to my – I cracked up. Mm. Um, I've always thought The Rock – is probably one of the most charismatic guys Absolutely. ever to grace the silver screen. Sure. I've never found him to be a, a consistently great actor. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that movie that he was in with John Bernthal that we oh, saw? Oh, Hitch. Hitch. Great. Or Snitch. No, no, not Snitch. 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 Um, he was great in Snitch. <laughs> he, he was fantastic. Yeah. But then, like, I don't remember the next movie that came out, but he, he's just not consistent. Yeah. And I thought Jumanji, uh, the Welcome to the Jungle, the one before, yeah. such a great showcase of his charm but also his comedic talent. I was like, oh, I had no idea this guy could do that. And then to watch him take on the DeVito persona, yeah, yeah. that made me laugh. Now, that could that could be a bit that tires 
very, very quickly. Yeah, because he could. He was essentially doing. I don't know if I, a weird voice. Yeah, but it felt. I, I bought it. Old timey. I bought it. Yeah. I liked what Kevin Hart did with uh, with Danny Glover. Right, that was funny. Um, I, I'm looking forward to the movie. I understand the reservations. But that trailer, it left you with questions. It mm-hmm. left me with a smile. Well, certainly the visuals were fantastic in the trailer and exciting in that way. My only contention with it is why do I want to see two old dudes becoming younger versions of themselves? And also, and this may get me in some trouble, you move one of the main girls out to make room for another dude. In 2019, we're doing that? Like I, I thought we're trying to really focus on having a balance here and having two girls and two guys really works and then removing one of the girls to have three girl three guys and one girl I don't know if that's really the smart way to go. But also, we don't know how long they are removed. Right, we like, don't. They I mean that could but be But that's how it's pitched in the first trailer. So I have only had that to go on. True. True, yeah, true, yeah, true. Yeah. I I understand what you're saying, but also I don't I think it's just too soon to make a judgment on that level yet. Yeah, that's fair. Um but you know you're going to go see it. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. I keep my mind open. <laughs> I'm still hoping and praying that I get to do the junket again, but I imagine I probably won't. But I, it was a nice one when I had it. <laughs> if it's over Christmas again, I'm happily skip seeing my family to go to that to go to that junket. No offense. <laughs> I'll just take my girlfriend and we'll go down to Hawaii. We'll have a grand old time. So we'll see. I, I'm going to try so – what is it? July? I'm going to start lobbying now. Yeah. For it. Start planting the seeds. Yeah. <laughs> start, reach, start reaching out to the rock. Hey, yeah. remember, remember that time? Hey, guy. <laughs> remember those times I interviewed you? Remember those twice? Remember the belt? Remember the belt? <laughs> Although we can't bring the belt anymore. So, uh, All right. What's our – oh, yeah, Disney. So let's, are we moving on to that next, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that they announced today yeah. um, that they have cast the Ariel for their live version, their live action version of uh, yeah of uh, the Little Mermaid, right. and it is a, is she a singer? She is. She is a singer. Her name is Halle Bailey. She is part of this R and B duo called Chloe X Haley or Chloe Times Haley. I'm not sure how they uh, say it themselves. Um, they became famous doing uh, Beyonce covers okay. on YouTube. Okay, uh, and so um, that's how she got noticed. Then she's on Grownish, I think. Okay, so she's on that show, um, and this is her first feature film. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But I think she's an excellent choice. She's very cute. She has kind of the Disney features already in her face, with the kind of larger eyes and the kind of uh, uh, rounder cheeks. So to me, it all works. But of course, the backlash that is the internet. Yeah, I mean, within. Yeah, hours. You saw that. I mean, just hours, minutes, minutes, <laughs> hours of it being announced. I'm yes. not. I'm not on Twitter that much. Oh, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Other, than I did talk about. I got a splinter in my thumb yesterday, you and did. how it how it has it has taken me out. It's made you question your manhood. Ah, I, I just throw it on the pile. Look, and splinters are no joke. It's yeah, and you can see it. You can see it. Oh, wow, right that's there. a big one. Yeah, and Yikes. have I you know. taken a pin to it? Or I've you... tried. What? I've tried? No, you. <laughs> what's happening is you're getting scared. I'm not getting scared. I am, I am no. I am jamming the pin, in the, the safety pin inside. It's just so. It's so. Are you far. sure it's still in there? I think. I mean, I can if I rub it a certain way. Yeah. It's, it's that stinging pain. Well, of of uh, something foreign being inside your body. Uh, are you? Have you? Are you going to the urgent care? I might. Yeah, I think you should. <laughs> like, look, you know, don't mess around with shit like that. You're going to get infected. You're going to thumbless geek buddy, man. That's no good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, so many people took to Twitter voicing their displeasure that they grew up watching this character. Right. And now to to have it 
be changed so drastically because of the climate. She's a mermaid. Yeah, she's a mermaid. I mean, <laughs> she's a mermaid. She's not even human. She's a fucking mermaid, guys. Yeah. But people were like, oh, well, what if I saw some people? And they were, I think they were trolling. I, I think a majority of these people just live for the attention, live to troll. And we're like, what if we took a black character and whitewashed and made them? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Do, I, do you want me to show you the plethora of Native American uh, characters that were played by white people in red face or brown face in the 50s and 60s and 40s? I will gladly show you that. Or the or look at Amos and Andy from the old days in the 40s. That was two white men in blackface. Yeah. So those jokes you hear from Amos and Andy, those funny little bits that you hear occasionally if you're doing any kind of research on old school comedy – those were white people playing black. So don't talk to me about that bullshit. And I think it's a great multicultural cast. And Disney doesn't care, which I love. Disney's just plowing through. Right. They just do it. You know, Avengers, multicat, multicultural. Uh, uh, you know, the, all the women in that shot endgame, we're going to do it. Don't give a shit if it feels like pandering. It's fucking badass. Right. Deal with it. Uh, so I love that about Disney in this way that they're pushing forward with it and taking the chances. And I really enjoy that she's – Part of this because she really looks like a little member. Some people are like Zendaya, and I don't. I don't think I think Zendaya is too old to play her for where they want to place her at. Right. With Jacob Tremley and with Aquafina being part of it as well, and then possibly Melissa McCarthy uh, playing oh, Ursula. Ursula right, yeah, she's right, in right. talks. So I like this casting. It's just unfortunate that we have this culture now where people feel the need to crap all over it or make it a negative and there's no need to you know michael robertson for any of you who listen to our game yeah. of thrones retrospective um michael robertson who who is a ginger <laughs> um he uh posted a very very funny uh screenshot of one uh it was a redheaded young yeah. young lady who was oh. like i'm so disappointed by this as a redhead growing up i was made fun of so much oh yeah and okay i, I okay i could see that I could see that, but doesn't. But she could still have red hair. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I get it. It was just one of those things. Like, I don't. Know, oh, are gingers more persecuted than African American women yeah, in this country? I'm, I mean, I feel I'm, like I'm no. With you on that. I feel like no. <laughs> Their struggles are real. I'm not want to take anything away from redheaded people. I know I have I have found myself dating redheaded people in my life who I find very attractive. Um, but yeah, uh, um, I get it. I just feel like. Yeah, no, we'll get there. Yeah, it just again the, the hill to die on. Like, really? Yeah. Gonna, <laughs> because, because Scott Farkas is all we had, <laughs> <laughs> and he was a bully. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think I agree with you. I think what they're doing is good. I mean, this yeah. is how this is how progress is made, and it's just it's unfortunate that there's a there's a subsection of people that are always going to go yeah. negative when something new when they're trying something new yeah yeah and that's an unfortunate situation yeah and it's true you're right uh I, before we jump into the trial i do want to ask you one thing did you read the daisy ridley interviews that she's been doing over the last few days about the backlash being justified yeah, yeah. i did read what's your that? thoughts on this real quick like what's your thoughts on that the the sword – I mean the lightsaber battle that they're going to have her teasing that, that it's going to be great and, and the parentage thing. I thought the headline was a little clickbaity. It was okay. a little deceptive. Okay. Was, well, nope. I think it was justified and then you get in. You get to see the minutia of it and yeah. she kind of – she didn't – she was uh, sympathizing yeah. with the people who didn't enjoy the movie and she mm -hmm. was acknowledging – she was acknowledging their feelings yeah. as a little silly as it might have been yeah. to, to get this – 
riled up. up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's like, I get it. You know what? This this was near and dear to your heart. This was this this is a part of your childhood and it didn't deliver the way that you felt it should. Yeah. And she's like, I get it. Like, I understand. I, di- I didn't read about getting into her parentage, though. Yeah. It, she's, they asked her, um, it, there's been an, and this is from the USA Today interview, there's been an intense obsession with race parents and many fans are dissatisfied when they're revealed to be nobodies in The Last Jedi. Is there more to their story in the new film? Ridley says, director J.J. Abrams did say the question is answered. So at the end of the film, you do know what the dealio is. Um, with respect, I mean, obviously she yeah. know, she knows the she knows the story better yeah. than we do. Right, right, right. Um, with respect to J.J. Abrams saying all of your questions are going to be answered, you just point to Lost and be like, that is not true. <laughs> but J.J. wasn't involved. That was Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof <laughs> by that point. J.J. didn't come back for that last season. But I hear your point. I hear your point that he lays stuff out, but doesn't always like uh, land the plane. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we'll see what happens. He uh, lands the plane without building the runway. <laughs> That's okay. That's possible. <laughs> I did like his uh, Star Trek. I did like the Star Trek he did. So I was hoping he'd keep going. You liked the second one. You liked Into Darkness. I didn't. I did like Into Darkness. Until, really? Until the reveal, I loved it. Interesting. When the reveal happened and the switch happens, I was fucking furious. Wow. Because I and I and I recently watched it. I bought it in 4K because it's beautiful in 4K. Yeah. Jesus Christ, it's beautiful in 4K. That's the only that's infu- that's the only thing that infuriates me, man. Is that twist at the end? Yeah, because I'm like, ah, oh, man. We we already knew who he was going to be. Just say it. Yeah. Uh, and you want to talk about whitewashing? Here we go. There's a great example. Moved out an Indian, which was a an actually a, a, a Mexican American in Ricardo Montalban playing an Indian version. You know, mm-hmm. Khan, Singh Khan, right? Um, and then replaced it completely with the whitest dude on the planet, translucent almost, in Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> so I was like, you know, th- it does happen. It does happen when they redo things. So you look at this situation and then when they do the switch of Star Trek II Wrath of Khan and switching the roles of who's dying and who's living, I was really fucking mad. Yeah. Because that that was not believable to me. But well, everything it, leading up to it, I really enjoyed. And even Spock's yelling Khan. Yeah, like, oh, horrific. Well. <laughs> I would put it on the level of, of no at the end of – Oh, at uh, uh, episode three? Yeah, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> I would put it on that level. It was so terrible. <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I really wish they would have gone uh, and made him a good guy. Made him a good guy for the time being. Yeah. Like, he, he actually does help them out. And then we get to see sort of this darker turn that he's going to take in the future. Yeah. Because you get Cumberbatch, who's an awesome actor. <laughs> yep. And, I mean, I agree. Like, they, they should have gone ethnic with it. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, all right, you've, you know, you've, you're, you're building the track. Stick with him. Yeah. Keep this guy around because this can make for an interesting. Come you, back to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do something that Star Wars films have never done. Right. Bring somebody back. Bring somebody back. <laughs> Certainly possible. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, move on to uh, what we got planned. I, I am now in Shannon McClung's hands. Um, I don't know if I'm going to survive this situation, but I am now on trial. Um, and Shannon, uh, you uh, have the calm uh, to make a Star Trek reference. So proceed. That was a uh, gavel. <laughs> My fist disguised as a gavel knocking on the table. Is this Star Trek Six or the the cling the Vulcan or the Klingons? <laughs> Guilty. Yeah. Go ahead. So with the start of filming for uh, Bill and Ted Three, yeah, which very very exciting. Never thought it was going to happen. Um, it made me think, like you know what, John? I remember John saying he didn't really like Bill and Ted's. 
excellent, excellent adventure. adventure. No, no. He, he was not a big fan of that. Mm. Wait a minute. He also wasn't a big fan of Rudy. Yeah. And he also was not a big fan of here, – here's the real crime. The Goonies. Uh-huh. Now, John. Yes. The Goonies came out in 1986. Mm-hmm. This is uh, one of the epitomes of 80s filmmaking. <coughs> yes. What is your problem with The Goonies? I, I find it to be very much um, simple. And by that I mean even from the beginning. Oh, so this family can escape those you know, keystone cops in the small town by lighting stuff on fire – from the beginning, it asks you to put your brain in the locker room and not use it at all. And for a fun adventure film with kids, I like it when it feels more like an adult film. And in, I don't mean porn. I mean enjoyable adult <laughs> film. Uh, I like it when it has that more of a vibe. And I think this one is all – it's cute for cute's sake rather than authentically cute. And I have never once – and I've seen it multiple times – I never once – even when I saw it when I was a teenager, I never once felt that connection with those kids. Whereas I watch Stranger Things and I love those kids. Mm -hmm. That's a more, to me, realistic adult. When you were kids, we confront a lot of adult shit that we don't remember we're confronting as we get older, right? That we confronted. And I think with this film, there was too much goofiness and nuttiness and weirdness that I just was like, oh, they're just doing this to, to, to be goofy. Now, are, are we talking mm. Data's Penches of Power? What specific goofiness? I mean, I know it's probably the been. treasure map stuff. The That's a treasure hunt. Making him dance with the chunk stuff was ridiculous. That is not ridiculous. The Kids baby do that to each stuff other. was terrible. Why is The chocolate baby? ice cream, chunk be- or whatever his name being ugly and all deformed and stuff. Sloth. 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 <laughs> you have uh, Robert Davi in there, and then you have um, uh, yeah, Joe uh, Joey Pants. Joey Pants in there, and who's the mom again? Is it Anne Ramsey? Anne Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get her in there. Uh, so all, it's such a weird family and, and this situation, and I just don't find the magic with all the actors either. Uh, even though I enjoy the actors separately in separate things, for whatever reason, I don't buy the chemistry. I think it's weird. Um, See, there was a version of the movie back when they would play movies on broadcast TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at the end, uh, I think it's Data is talking to one of the reporters and he's saying that the octopus was really scary. And it sounds like, oh, it's just kids making stuff up. Right. There actually was an octopus scene. scene. Oh, there was an octopus scene when they get over to the ship by yeah. One-Eyed Willie. And they played that octopus scene in one of the broadcast versions of the movie. Oh, wow. And I remember seeing that because I remember there were little tiny scenes would pop up here yeah. and there. And even as a kid, I'm like, huh, I don't remember that. Yeah. And then this animatronic octopus comes out of nowhere like, oh, this is bad. See, I feel like that's the version you saw. No. I feel like you saw that version. <laughs> the whole thing is bad. <laughs> the whole thing is bad. Especially because I, I normally enjoy these kind of movies, you know, but – I'm also not a fan of Temple of Doom. I do not like Temple of Doom at all. But you is it because of the uh, short round? Yeah, short round okay. stuff, the in, the the India the the India stuff as well. Mm-hmm. It's really simplistic. It's played for laughs rather than authenticity. Right. Um and you get the white savior complex on that as well. Oh, let me save this for the Indian people and um a lot of it is very troubling now. As but I didn't like it when I saw it the first time either when I was a kid or a teenager rather. I didn't like that one either when I saw it. And a lot of people defend it. And I respect if you want to defend it. 
I tried to watch it again recently, and I, I got maybe 20 minutes, and I was like, I could give two shits. And this is Indiana Jones. Wow. I shouldn't feel that way about Indiana Jones. But, wow. That's really and, surprising. And Kate Capshaw. I don't buy – I just don't buy it. I like Marion Ravenwood. I like Marion Ravenwood. And in the third one, not that I like Elsa, Sean Connery is really the reason to watch that movie, their chemistry together and their journey. Mm-hmm. But in the second one, I just don't care about the damsel in distress of Kate, Cap- Kate Capshaw. It's like she's put in that film to make Indy feel like incredible. She's in awe of everything he does. No, and, it's like an old screwball comedy yeah, where, they, where they don't get along. Yeah, but, but, but what's, what's, what, what, what kind of film is this? Because the first one is not that. The first one is not any kind of screwball comedy. It's an old school action adventure film from the 40s and 50s. I'll, I'll rephrase. Keep that vibe going. It's a screwball relationship. Sure. It's a screwball what's, relationship. What's that doing in my adventure film? Because that's Jewel of the – that's a, a Romancing the Stone. That's a great movie because the premise is their relationship as they go on this adventure. This uh, in in uh, Temple of Doom, it's not that at all. He's going on the adventure already. She's along for the ride. There's, they're not equals mm. in in Romancing the Stone. They're equals. Right. You know, Joan Wilder, uh, all of that. So, and with coming back to Goonies, uh, yeah, I mean, I just never never felt this. Connection with those characters and those kids and that really it's, it's just not something I could relate to. OK. And it's not about me growing up Latino or anything because like, I've joked about that sometimes too. It's like, oh, it's white kids growing up. But the, I, mean, oh, I remember you saying Yeah, that. yeah. Because I mean I, from 10 years old on, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood uh, when we got moved to uh, northern Virginia in a predominantly white small town, Dale City. There in Virginia, I saw this city change from when I was there at, at 1979. So I was probably what, eight years old when I moved there mm-hmm. to what it became. So, you know, now it's more ethnic there. But when I was growing up, it was mostly white, like almost predominantly white. So I had a culture shock in that way. Do you feel like had you been, because you were probably 15 or 16 when, when you, I saw the movie? The yeah, right? yeah. Do you think had you been five, six years older or younger, excuse me, um, do you think it would have? Maybe gotten you. Maybe then? there's certainly there's certainly an argument to be made because I um, can see teenagers being like ah kids movie right having the the too cool for school thing. Yeah, maybe. Okay, that's certainly possible. But I mean, Josh Brolin was in it, so I was represented in terms of age in the film. Right. So, but yeah, I don't know. That's certainly a, a fair point. I'm trying to think if there's any teen, films I saw in my teens that were young, young based. I mean, big, but that's really Tom Hanks, yeah, right? So it doesn't really that's, count. That's different, though. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything that came out around well, that time. It may be why I'm not the biggest fan of ET either. But I wasn't a big fan of ET. No, there you uh, go. I mean, so you're in a ra- we're in a rarer pool than Goonies. I yeah, think. like we we, watched, we watched it at the backyard yep. movie that you know a couple like a year ago, yeah. I believe. Um, and I was like, oh, this this is good. But as a child, I'm like, I I needed something more yeah. immediately active. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted. I wanted everything just to be Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't that. Like there, there were some slow burn parts. And nowadays, I mean, I think you know, you remake ET. I mean, it the movie move, would move yeah, would have yeah. to move a lot faster just because our our you know sensibilities have changed. Right. So the uh, the court has heard your case, John, <laughs> about the Goonies. And let's see, the foreman is handing me. Oh no! The verdict. Oh no! Guilty. Of uh, what? Of what? <laughs> okay. Next case, John. John yes. Stephen Roca. Versus Rudy. Oh, Rudy. Now, Rudy, for me, like I believe it came out in 1991. So I was about 13 years old. That puts you closer to 20. 
Yes. Um, so, I mean, really, this would have been more. This is in my wheelhouse. This should have been in your wheelhouse. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a sports film. This is an underdog. Yeah. This is the makers of Hoosiers, which yeah. I know you're a big fan. I of. am a massive fan of Hoosiers. What went wrong with Rudy? I think I just don't connect to. My girlfriend thinks this is the situation. She says that I'm uh, I'm not a Sean Astin fan. That I'm unconscious, subconsciously not a Sean Astin fan, but. I enjoyed the hell out of him in season two of Stranger Things, which I just recently watched for the first time. Right. I spent all weekend watching it. Bob is my hero. Right. I love uh, uh, Bob the Brain. Right. He was great. Justice for Bob. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Spoilers. If you haven't seen Stranger Things 2, turn yeah. the volume down for a second. Yeah, right, right. I'm, just, uh, I'm not going to go into it. But I, yeah. can't, I can't believe what they did. Yeah. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and uh, Lindley was telling me that – um, apparently, people had a backlash about the brutal way that what happened to Bob. It was, and I didn't think it was that brutal from what we'd seen in the series, in the season, rather. So I was surprised that people were so upset about it. I think it was because one, sort of the nature of his character, the sweetness, and okay. also that we saw it. Yeah, um, it wasn't like Barb. Barb just kind of oh, disappeared. Right, right, right. Whereas right. we saw what happened to Bob. Yeah, and it's like, ooh, this is a little. This is a little traumatic. <laughs> All right, fair. Um, yeah, but with Rudy, so you hate Sean Astin. No, Go ahead, <laughs> met him. One of the nicest guys. I'm mean, like just an incredibly nice guy. We met him just on a transition one day when he was being interviewed by somebody at Collider, and we were coming on the set for Movie Talk, and he took pictures with us, and he was very kind. We weren't even part of the interview. He was very, very nice and asked us what we were talking about mm -hmm. and then uh, almost made our show late because he wanted to give his two cents about every topic we were talking about. <laughs> so it was like I really appreciated that about him. Um, but I, I, for whatever reason, I just think – I watched Rudy and I'm like I don't care about this kid. This kid's kind of irritating to me and what he's trying to do. Uh, Favreau looks weird in the film. Vince Vaughn is weird in the film. Um, it's the, the 70s though. Everyone looked kind of weird. Yeah. The The – Slow clap of Charles S. Dutton doesn't work for me at all. Ned Beatty is – like the whole film just feels – once again, it feels like we're going to tell you what to feel in every scene and every moment but like Goonies does. We're going to make – we're going to make you feel this. You're supposed to feel this or you're going to feel this right here, right now. And it's kind of bashing it over your head rather than letting you come to it. Mm -hmm. It feels very manufactured. And I know a lot of people might be saying like, well, Roka, a lot of those sports films are manufactured. I get it. But it feels – like organic and authentic in a lot of those sports films where in this one, it felt real cheesy. And then when they're all laying down the shirts or whatever to me, that Joe Montana never happened, he said. <laughs> never happened, that old scene. He said nobody laid their jerseys down. And a lot of people have come out since to say how much they don't uh, – they never liked Rudy while he was on the team. That they found him to be an irrita irrit irritable, irritating person and that they hate that he has used the movie to become a spokesperson or whatever. Yeah. So, I've, I've read some of the fact versus fiction articles. Yeah. And, you know, movies are going to take creative sure, liberties sure, sure, with sure. things. And I think before the internet, they could probably get away with fudging some of the facts for right. dramatic license. But doesn't that scare you that Rudy would let that happen? Of course. The manipulative nature of Rudy if he didn't. You know, a buddy of mine actually got to go see him speak. Oh, wow. At, at Notre Dame. And he was like, he's kind of a dummy. <laughs> I rest my case. I'm not cheering for no dummy. <laughs> but the portrayal of Rudy, he's not He's not a dummy. He's got – I think he's got like a learning disability. Yeah, I think um, so. Like I, they sort of allude to like that yeah. he might be dyslexic. Mm -hmm. But – even though it is a sports movie about an underdog, still just not your thing. Not my thing. Okay. Not my thing. I don't I don't buy the score. You don't like the score? I don't like the score. Sure. 
on. I know, right? It's terrible. That is one of the best scores of the 20th century. Wow, that is a strong statement. They use that music in every sporting event. I know. When it comes on, I go get a hot dog. Oh, my yeah. gosh. You're breaking my heart right now. Like, I think I, it's just because it's connected to the movie. Oh, <laughs> Sean, I didn't know that you disliked the score. That score is so good. I feel like I could have walked out with a lighter sentence, and now I'm going to be... The foreman was approaching with an envelope. He just did an about face. He opened the envelope. He's scribbling something down. Okay, he's oh, handing the it to him. foreman is. He has thoughts, too. Let, let me see. <laughs> Unfolding the paper. Guilty. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. It's probably Charles S. Dutton's cousin <laughs> or nephew. <laughs> and bringing around to the third, yeah. which I do understand this one, but you are not the biggest fan of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I'm not. I, I think because I love the first one so damn much. Oh, but that's – oh. That's bogus. Uh, excellent Adventure is the first. Oh, the first one. No, bogus oh, so Journey is the one I don't like. Oh, I thought it was Excellent no, no, Adventure. No, no, no. I like Excellent Adventure. Oh, I don't like Bogus Journey either. All right, let's go. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that was a quick trial. I dig it. I dig it. All right, cool. Last one's thrown out. That's <laughs> 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 oh, good. No, no. I, bogus Journey is the one that's a problem. Yeah. I, you know, I like the scenes with death, but. Oh, the, William Sadler's so funny. He's so funny, but the film feels. Clumsy and kind of haphazardly put together. Right. And I hope that isn't the case with this one. Now, this is a good uh, – because we've got maybe a few more minutes. What do you think about the pictures that have been released? They don't excite me. What do you think? Well – I mean it's tough to get a first you know, impression but um, – I mean they're literally just stills of the two of them walking. Yeah, but he looks like he's really converted – the uh, which one's Bill? Bill is um, Alex Winter. Oh, Alex Winter. All right, so Ted looks like Theodore uh, Logan has actually converted to being like a yuppie, an old yuppie, right? Right, with the <laughs> button-down shirt outside of his pants and the jacket. Uh, Alex Winter. No, oh, sorry, Bill looks like he's still kind of you a know a bit of a garage yeah, band guy. Yeah, garage band guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the all of the pictures. I get it, but also I'm just like these are these are just. Photos that a photographer th- – I mean sure. this isn't – there's no context here. Right. But then they showed them in the phone booth. Oh, right. Yeah, they yeah, had yeah. one picture of them in the phone booth yeah. and I was like, awesome. Yeah. On board. Um, I want on, them to get it right. Uh, me too, man. Me, me too. Mm-hmm. I mean the fact that William Sadler is coming back for it. They have um, two funny actresses playing playing the princesses. Yes. Jama Mays and the other one's name is escaping me right now. Yeah, Jama yeah. May is super funny. Yeah. Um, I am – I'm optimistic. So they didn't bring back the actresses from the first. No, I want to say that, and, and I could be wrong, but I think they, I think they changed actresses from the first to the second. Movie yes, and they now did. The second to the third. Movie. Yes, they did. Because they didn't. They've never had a ton to do. Okay. Um, I feel like the ones in the second movie were barely in. But it. also, Jamie Mays is not the age of. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, like she's younger than them. Oh, she's she? she's probably ten years younger. That would be my guess because okay. what Keanu Reeves is what fifty four, yeah, fifty five. Um, yeah, I feel like Jamie Mays is uh, just a couple years older than I am. She was born in seventy nine. Seventy nine. Oh, so she's a year younger, so she's forty. Yeah, she's forty. Oh wow, Jamie Mays is forty. That's kind of weird. Are you sure? Well, I, she doesn't have it on her IMDb, but you saw that it's them. Oh, yeah. Jamie okay. Mays and, 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 again, the other actress, then her name is escaping. Okay. Okay. But, yeah, they are playing, they are playing the princesses. Oh, yeah. Erin uh, Hayes with two N's. Yeah. She's funny. Oh, Erin. She's funny. We've had an interaction because I defended her a couple of years ago when that whole Kevin can wait or whatever, the stupid show that Kevin oh, James was had. The, oh, oh, was she the actress from the first she season? She was the actress from the first season that oh. they killed off. 
Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. For, to make room for Leah Remini. Yeah, Leah Remini. And you know what? They canceled the show anyway. <laughs> and I, I wrote a piece defend, uh, defending her and calling out the uh, terrible decision by and how CBS and Kevin James handled that. Right. And she DM'd me one time on Twitter and thanked me for that article. Really? Yeah. It was very nice. That's of awesome. Said. Yeah. She said, I really appreciate you. People who don't know the whole story, I really appreciate you defending it. Wow. Like, wow. Okay. It was great. That's really interesting. Look, at the, at the risk of my own employment at times, I don't have a problem calling out a studio or a director or an actor. I know my colleagues sometimes have a concern about it because, you know, respect. They want to work in this business sure. and stay doing what they're doing. But like for me, I, this is how I'm built for better or worse. Like right. I, if I see something that's wrong or don't think is wrong, I'm going to call it out or I think is wrong. is I'm going to call it out. But I can also admit when I'm wrong and make and I've made a mistake or I can change my mind with more information certainly. But right. I'm always authentic in how I feel about something like this. And so, so, have you, yeah. so have you changed your mind about the Goonies? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. But Jillian Bell is in this? Uh, yeah. They just announced her wow. uh, within the last day or two. <clears throat> OK. So who's – oh, Beck Bennett is Deacon Logan. What is his other son? No, that's a Ted's younger brother. Ted's younger brother? Never, oh, my never, God. He was the one who was supposed to be watching Napoleon. Right. <laughs> Holy shit. OK. Captain Logan is how Landon is I coming know, back? I know. Tim and Missy. Oh, They're that back. is great. Yeah, Amy Stock is Missy. That's awesome. <laughs> that was one of the few parts in the second movie that I thought was really funny, that she had gone from uh, Bill's dad to yeah. Ted's dad. <laughs> yeah, that second movie. I mean, I think I told I think I said this to you and Steve when yeah. we were on the Cinephiles talking about Terminator 2, but me and a buddy went to go see cuz it was not a, a, was that 91 as well? I yeah. think. Um we went to go see we were, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which the original title was supposed to be Bill and Ted Go to Hell, but they yeah. couldn't do the commercials during the day. Um <sighs> I was like, "Oh, this this is going to be great." And about halfway through, granted we're 12, yeah. 13, like we didn't really have the mental capacity to process black comedy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like this is weird, yeah, and then you yeah, get yeah. the station. The two guys run into each other and create a bigger guy. That's kind of funny. And wow. I remember we left the movie early. Oh wow! And we went in and snuck in and saw the last half of Terminator Two. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, all right, yeah, fair enough, yeah. So all right, well there we go. We're at an hour mark, uh, Shannon. Any last things we want to talk about? Or, or? no, I think we're right. I think we're all caught up. I gotta go serve my prison time for yeah. these movies. We're not liking these movies. Crimes is against there, geekdom. Is there? That's a that's a good segment. When crimes against is there a, a film that everyone likes that you don't? Is there one you can think of that like everyone universally like has nostalgia love for? But you're like, uh, eh. I can think of recent films where like important films that people like that I like. okay, okay like but, like I wasn't a big fan of Lincoln. Um, yeah, that's more his performance. I would agree with that. I'm trying I'm trying to think movies from the 80s. Yeah, you know what? Um, it might may maybe a fish called Wanda. Wow, you don't like a fish called Wanda? I just I wasn't at the right age to watch it. Like I wasn't I wasn't old enough to to really kind of process. Have that you type. gone back and watched it? I and haven't. not liked it. Oh, I haven't. Interesting. Not a, there's not a lot of replay. Of okay. <laughs> yeah, fish called Wanda. Yeah, on HBO. fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I but I think I'm okay. But outside of that, no, I'm 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 typically 
going with the flow. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. That's it. Yo, afraid to stand out on his own. I get it. You can't all be as strong as I am or stupid as I am, depending I mean, on your perspective. I like Lady in the Water. Oh, a lot, I, of, people, a lot of people do not like that film. A lot of people film. hate that movie. I know. I'll take some scenes in that film that I enjoy. Absolutely. Paul Giamatti, beautiful performance. He is movie. really good in that movie. Beautiful performance. Undoubtedly. Uh, all right. Well, that's our episode uh, of the Geek Buddies. I want to thank uh, everybody for uh, listening and downloading the show. And please, for the love of God, spread it around. Tell people about it so we can keep increasing the numbers one listener at a time to get on board the, the Geek Buddies train and be our buddies on this. We are an unusual, unique approach to fandom and to geek stuff. So please pitch us in that way. We're not your standard stuff. Uh, all three of us from different backgrounds yet find a connection with each other uh, in this situation. So yeah, please. those comments on iTunes, super helpful. Yeah. Super, yeah. super helpful. And, and, and the you, ratings as well on iTunes are really helpful as well. Yeah. And if you want to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. And right now we are doing a countdown to Comic-Con. Where a series called Before They Were Podcasting, we're getting to see photos of myself, John, and Michael in our together, but also sort of in our individual lives before we were before we were podcasting. You get shots from Comic Con, you get shots of uh, uh, just some work that we have done. Yes, all all fun stuff. There you go. I hope you all had a happy July Fourth. Yes, uh, and um, and we will see you next week with another episode of The Geek Buddies. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.